Welcome back to Doing the Most, The Misadventures of Entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Georgie, and today we have Christina Hawatme, who is an entrepreneur and the founder of Scopio. So we're going to talk about this platform, how she started it, other parts of her entrepreneurial journey. But let's start off with getting a little bit to know more about who you are, Christina. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Um, Yeah, so um, I was born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, my parents are immigrants from Jordan. They're doctors. Um, and I started Scopio when I was, by accident, which we'll get into, uh, when I was doing my master's at Columbia and I was studying technology policy. Uh, at, yeah, at the time, I was so obsessed with uh, how like governments and people were interacting on social media. And then I fell into... Um, I fell into the image part of it, which is where the idea of Scopio came from. Then, um, yeah, I'm excited to tell you more about it. Yeah, so let's go back all the way to the beginning with like yeah. your parents. Um, you said that they were doctors. You know, what made them decide to move to the United States? Did they move here before they had you, or like was it, you know, what was going on? Why they decided to come here? Yeah, I think um, when you look at an entrepreneur's story, their, their childhood is very important. Yeah, uh, why they became an entrepreneur. Like when I was a child, I never thought I would be a business owner, but I always wanted to change the world. I wanted to do something big and impactful. I saw the the struggles of you know being a first generation is always difficult. You see how hard they work, and so you get that work ethic, which I think is the backbone of being successful. So you see that work out like you never feel like you're working as hard as they work, um, even though um, uh, it's comparable, if not more, mm-hmm. technology, of course. Um, and then you see like a, in, in science, yeah, they, I mean, they came here for a better life like everybody does, um, for a cleaner work life as a medical professional. And, um, and I had a very big family, so I was really into um, into to that social aspect and that has translated a lot into the business and how we like really treat all the photographers and all of our clients like they are our family uh we have more than ten thousand businesses wow platform that are subscribers and over thirteen thousand photographers from over 150 countries so that empathy and that understanding of of people and what they're trying to achieve and helping them do that is very important and i think the lens that you were your childhood and I was always very creative I was always hiding and um, drawing and writing poems and um, making things so uh, technology and building a company is a very creative experience and um, it like it gets fueled from those like childhood ambitions nice and so talk to me a little bit about that like childhood uh, when you were like growing up what made you want to study technology like what was that first love because you said that you were getting like your master's uh, in that but what like started from when you were like young or like high school age that made you realize you know you had an interest in this field versus like personally you know like being a doctor like your parents did or um you know being an artist or whatever other passions you could have pursued but what made you decide to go with technology it's interesting because it's i'm in technology but i'm also in photography so uh, on the photography side, my mom is like the obsessed with taking photos. She's a great photographer. I would find ourselves sleeping and she'd have a camera or a video in our face. <laughs> it really made me uh, understand the importance of uh, 
documenting. I have a theory. It's because they're like all their photos burned down when they were younger. So oh man! Those, so, uh, so I have a theory. That's why she's like so into it. But I uh, have that love of images, and then the love of technology came because uh, I was studying politics. So I had my undergrad degree, and I got it from George Washington in D.C. Um, and I went and worked in U.S. Congress, and I worked, um, and I was just trying to understand how the world you know, works and how mm -hmm. it. And then uh, when I was discovering this, there was like the Arab Spring happened, Black Lives Matter movement, the Venezuela protests. And I started to see, wow, like actually technology is like this new platform for politics. And it's giving people an opportunity to, um, to like democratize their, th their feelings so people can see them and people can understand them. And like, wow, isn't that so powerful and awesome that we can, now learn about the world in that visual way um so then that's when i realized like if i'm going to dedicate my life to something uh as big and, and as big as what i had thought in my head which was this like political dream that technology will take me far way far more far mm -hmm. than, than politics would in terms of the impact it could have on the world and the skills that i could learn for this like next generation that's coming up and when you look around i was like why are there, there was no woman in technology. There's no alternative opinions. You're talking about AI. We have AI on our platform now. AI training sets are built by humans. So you also need that input of um, multiple opinions and different types of people. So um, so I think it's the fusion of the tech and the, the photography and images that really have made this like really powerful um, passion of, of mine and what has allowed me to uh, work on in such a like long period of time on something nice and so now you know you got your master's um you said you were working uh for the for the government for a little bit so what did you do after that like what happened after you got your master's but right before you started Scopio? because like you said you saw these things going on in the world yeah. what urged you to say i need to take a better look at this and i need to do something about this so i remember i was in like the lobby of um the School of International Public Affairs at Columbia. And I was looking at the TV screen and there was these photos of um, the Arab Spring and these pictures of like, very powerful. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what if I just like organized these photos so people knew where they were coming from? Because it was there was so much confusion about these images that were on Twitter. So I was like, what if I just like created something where I could like find all the hashtags and then put all the photos together and then people could see what country they were coming from. So I, there was some dumb pitch competition, uh, not dumb. It was I was like, about to say. <laughs> it was like a small kind of thing. And I pitched it and um, I don't even think I won. Like I, <laughs> I can't even remember. Maybe I did win. I don't know. So, um, so I pitched in, I was like exhilarated. Like I was like, wow, like I got to create this presentation. Everyone thought, everyone thought it was a good idea. And then I was like, well, I don't really know how to do any of this. So how do I start? And I was like kind of bored with all my classes at that time. At that <laughs> point, I was like, none of these are going to make me awesome. This will make me awesome. So, um, so I started to discover and talk to people and figure out the, te the technological aspect of what I mm -hmm. wanted to do. And uh, it was really important that summer I got an internship at a, a seed stage venture firm. 
and it was randomly in Istanbul, but they actually built products and they invested in people. Mm. So I got at the same time, I went to Turkey. I don't know any, I don't know like, <laughs> anyone there, like language, nothing. Like they don't speak English. Mm -hmm. really. And, um, but I got to learn like both the, the product stuff and the investment side. So I got to see like what kind of, what, like, what do you have to do in order to, to make this happen? I would visit portfolio companies. I saw them and the, um, the founder of the fund would give me their background and explain to me. And so then when I went back uh, for my second year of my master's, I was like, okay, I want to build a company. And I made everything happen for myself. Um, I changed everything that I could in order to do that, moved to the business, moved all the classes I could to the business school. Uh, got really involved in the tech uh, scene and just like took every minute that I had uh, that year to use all the resources around me to um, help me launch the, this concept, which at the time was just about protest photos. Nice. And so about what year is this that this is launching? Uh, this is like 2014, so seven years ago. Yeah. Wow. And so now that you, you know, you have the the knowledge you got that experience and working at that like investment firm the vc folks and now you're back you're building on top of your idea what's happening in your brain what's happening around you what are people saying how are you feeling about it what's going on what, what's this adventure like <laughs> i mean i was 25 years old when i had this so i was pretty naive um it was i remember reading this article in forbes about the i think forbes or something about the founders of air um airbnb and how like if you airbnb could like help you like selling your house could help you like get income or something uh so i ended up renting out my apartment living with my friend so I could like pay for my LLC setup for my legal setup. So I did this all without anybody knowing. And I was just like, oh, this is like so cool. Like, <laughs> But then I didn't realize that, that feeling that like of not having resources exists throughout the journey. So you're always like having to make sacrifices like that. So uh, in the beginning, it's fun kind of when, when you start and then you're like, oh, this actually needs so much more um, effort and uh but for me, it was a lot of like the learning and talking to people was really fun in the first year, two years. And then it became like really real, like when you understood the landscape, the whole, how the whole ecosystem worked, mm -hmm. and then you need to fight to be in that. And that's fight is exhausting and difficult. <laughs> not many people, that, that's the point where everybody gives up. I'm convinced like at that point. Um, but I was lucky in that. When I had graduated, I had the concept of business plan. I had won this entrepreneurship, innovation entrepreneurship program. So I had like spent a whole, I think semester, uh, working on my business plan with 12 other companies. Nice. And then they had this, um, and we had a big presentation in the end. And everyone was like, you did such a good job. And then I was like, okay, great. Somebody's gonna give me a million dollars. And they were teaching us to go out and raise a million dollars. So all my material was like, give me a million dollars. And then all these people would sit and like laugh at me. And then just like, it was humiliating. Uh, and like the way they teach that is just so wrong. Like to people, like you, nobody's going to give you a million dollars. So, um, yeah. So I ended up joining, um, 
something called Columbia Startup Lab, which is a space in Lower Manhattan, and they gave two companies from each school within the university, uh, like workspace for a year. So I got to like kind of play it off like, oh, I was still in this school environment. Mm -hmm. uh, and that helped me again, like extend the life of my dreams. Um, and that time I said, okay, if it doesn't work out, actually, I never thought if it doesn't work out, I just kept going. Like, I don't, I don't think I ever was like, oh, I had a backup plan. <laughs> and that's good. Um, Cause you know, a lot of time people say, you know, if you have like a plan A, a plan B, like too many like backup plans, then you're not really investing in, you know, making sure that this plan works. And that doesn't mean that you can't pivot it or change it or evolve it, but that means you're committed to making this plan A work. So I really love that. And the fact that, you know, tap, realizing that you had to be resourceful, you had to tap into resources and think outside of the box. Like you said, renting out your apartment, staying at the um, Columbia Startup Lab, and then using what you had to get where you were wanted to go. So over the time that you're building that, like, what was it like and ex trying now to expand your team? Like you said, you know, after that two-year mark is where people start to fall off because it's like, this is fun when you're like figuring out, but then it's like, yeah. oh no, this is real. You have bills, you need to eat food, like human yeah. food. So what was that like in that transition and like growing your team and now like making money from the product, right? You didn't get the million dollars, but like what did that process and that journey look like and feel like? Well, the issue was that I had this like initial concept. It was called Protestify and it was about organizing and feeding these images. I raised $32,000 on Kickstarter. Nice. The website, the second one built the website, it didn't work. Like, so it was, I had spent a year basically doing this Kickstarter. We put the website up, it was trash. <laughs> and when you had to build your own web builders. And like, I literally, I feel, it's still my like biggest, uh, like when I think about that, because it's just like a year of your life and then it doesn't work. And it's just like, but that, but that momentum and that whole experience was like, you know what, like, um, like at this point I had met my business partner, well, I'll tell you about who she just made Forbes 30 under 30. Congrats. Um, I'm proud of her. I'm, I missed the mark, but <laughs> I, I urge every entrepreneur to start earlier so that you can, you can try to make it for me and her. It was like a dream come true and we had no reason to be on it. We didn't know anyone. Um, it was just one of those things that was just amazing to get. Um, but I had, uh, I had basically wanted a designer or somebody that knew how to like build products. So I went to this conference at Parsons, like I signed myself up and I went mm -hmm. and I met one of the directors of the design program. And I said, I'm building this app and I needed a designer. I like literally didn't have an app. I just, I was so convinced like I was going to make it happen. So I, I sent him an email and he sent it out and then she called me and she was like, I love your concept. Uh, I'm a photographer and I, she's doing interactive design, like technology and design. So she's like more of a front end and uh, she's like, I want to help you. So she had a year left of school and she started to help work. And then when she finished school, I was like, you're not getting a job. You're, we're going to do this. <laughs> and we thought, and we thought um, you know, why just these photos? Let's make a place where all the images live, where anybody can participate. And that, that was really started to see like the cheesiness of stock photography, the kind of like racial issues that mm -hmm. and fakeness and women eating salad. And we're like, <laughs> we're this. this is going to be a really big deal because every website on earth, every, everything you're seeing is photos 
and it's only going to continue so we could be that that place so then we launched scopio uh, which stands for scope it out and it's like a microscope into uh, social media we see ourselves as that bridge um, and then that's when things started to get very hard yeah, so <laughs> let's dive right into that what are the yeah. hard parts you know now it, now it's getting real so what did that yeah. that look like that feel like you you're, it's a team of two it's not just you by yourself people are like interested in this thing you're really building something when what was that like what was the hardness the thing is people weren't interested in it. Like when we created, like, like when I had Protestify, it was a cute concept. So everybody was patting me on the back. But then when I had this like big tech vision, like, no, I want to have the next Facebook, the next Google, <laughs> a big company. I, everyone was like, no, like you're not qualified. Yeah. You don't know what you're doing. You're not qualified. You don't have this. You don't have that. Like, I was getting everything thrown at me. And then I was like, New York started to become colder and colder and more <laughs> difficult to like have these like interactions. Um, and so it was, it was like, I remember even there was like this guy, this one guy that like I really respected and he was like, um, was telling my, my friend also, she had a company and now she's super successful and she, um, she's raised like millions of dollars and has a really big business. And so she was like, why can't we raise money for our company? And he tells her, uh, look at this other girl, like, let's call her Michelle. It's like, look at Michelle. Michelle has, has a great lifestyle business. She made $60,000 last year. And we were like, we he thinks we went to Colombia to make six thousand dollars a year. That's how like so then I was like it, when things like that happen, you are like you want to prove them wrong so mm -hmm. bad, and you're like why can't I like why can't I do this? So that's when you really have to be like self motivating, and then there's all these like small breaks that happen in between that allow you to get to the next milestone, but they're not the breaks that you expect. So, and they're much smaller than you expect. And that's how I was able to, to get through those, like that time period. Yeah. And it's like, and I hope that person that told you guys that, you know, has been like shunned or isn't like, you know, at the top or doing great because it sucks to have somebody look at you and based on your appearance and just kind of where, you know, maybe even where you come from or your gender or your race to say yeah. that you shouldn't have a dream this big, like just settle down, settle down. But you know, yeah. you know a guy that looks like him you know comes into the room and he's like yeah bro let's make a billion dollars or whatever it may be and yeah. so people don't realize like you know some of some some people are strong enough like you know yourself and uh, I and like a few people in our networks are strong enough to kind of yeah. you know push past that other people have been shut down or it's taken a while and that I I've had an experience like that before where somebody said something and I just felt like maybe I am an imposter. Like we already have enough imposter syndrome yeah. in, in our brains and in ourselves. And then for somebody else to say, Hey, you're, you're dreaming too big. You're trying too hard. You're, you you want to go after something that you'll never get, like just sit down and just be cute somewhere. Right. Like just go have a fitness brand that is yeah. very demeaning and like disrespectful. And right. You know, we're recording this in women's history, women's history month. And so just realizing like how far we've come and like how far people, how, um, direct and uh actionable people have been like 
you're not saying that to that person. If you do X, you will be called out. You will be canceled. You will be deleted. Like no one will come to your stuff. And so just like showing that in the media. And I think, um, you know, when I went onto the platform um, of Scopio, I really saw like a reflection of kind of the world, right? We, you, I saw different people from different races, genders, backgrounds, um, you know, wearing different styles, clothing. And it was just like a really beautiful experience. And is that kind of like your vision for Scopio and like where, where it's going? And like, you know, once you kind of got over those humps, was, was that something that kind of helped you um, continue to grow? If you could talk to that a bit, that like diversity aspect. Yeah, I think um, two things. The first is uh, the self-management and care and being your own like cheerleader is the, is like a, um, it's like I learned, uh, it's like needs practice. Like yep. you're not like, like I was always very confident on like public speaking, like when I was younger and, and then you think that that carries in and it doesn't, it actually needs a lot of coaching. Like I have a business coach now and it needs a lot of coaching and, uh, reading. Like I read a lot of uh, books about leadership and manage time management is very important. Emotional management is very important. Health how your health is very important once you get that then you like really start to become stronger because you're always gonna have like haters and sometimes they're very big haters and sometimes they're very important people and you want to believe them because they are who they are um or it could be something very small like like i'll get a customer email with the customer being really unhappy or a review online and it'll ruin my whole day yeah and i'm like wait like i have thousands of people that write me nice emails like like congratulations great product your images built my business uh i i had an empty blog and now i it's like and then you just like get one little small thing and you're like oh and you <laughs> but then if you can figure out how to like be better at that that's how you can uh play the marathon that is entrepreneurship and uh, like I had burnout and every entrepreneur I know does uh, where they're, you're sprinting, you're sprinting, you're trying, you're trying, it's not working, it's not working. Then you burn out and then something happens and then you get your energy again. Um, and then you start to learn like, no, it, that's not the way to do it. You have to just um, steady wins the race. A hundred percent, like a, a thousand percent because it's gonna happen you have to pace yourself and you know i did feel that too like when you know certain times where my business would be up i'm like yay cloud 10 and then certain times it's down i'm like oh my god i'm terrible and it's like you could get 10 great comments in one day and it's like that one comment will kind of get you yeah. down and like i slowly learned to like disconnect myself from it it's like that's not me that they're talking about it's just how the system works and yeah sometimes my process and my platform is crappy okay that's that, you know or maybe it's yeah. not going to affect you the way that i want it to and that's okay so now we're yeah. um i want to start talking about you know your misadventure right we talked a little bit about a few but is there a specific story of a time that you'd like to share throughout this business journey that was like super unexpected super curveball and like kind of what you did to um move past that yeah um i think like the biggest one in my business life was um we went through a massive pivot, like, um, my life about like a year and a half ago. Um, and basically it's when the API changes of Facebook, like they stopped allowing, um, like you to search on hashtags and we would search on hashtags and send people messages, uh, and get the rights for photos that way. And we always wanted to build like a ready to made marketplace, but we were 
really, I was really obsessed and still am with AI and the advancements and organizing the data. So basically it was like a search engine. You'd search by hashtag, you get the results from Instagram. Then you send Georgie a message and you're like, great photo. Can I use it for my marketing? Mm -hmm. um, and so that's how the Scopio platform operated. We went through 500 startups with that um, idea. I had raised a few hundred thousand on that idea. And then, nice. um, yeah, I mean, I've raised a lot more than that now, but, <laughs> but at that point, like, significant. And, um, uh, and yeah, and, I, and that's also like another journey by itself. But, but then um, I was like, I can't be reliant on Mark Zuckerberg for my business. Like I need to make sure that we can like grow and the costs are very expensive running that. So then we, um, we had this idea and we had this customer that were like, basically like, if you can just get all these photos ready and people can use them instead of having to message the people, um, that would, and all the customers were telling me, like, I was like tone deaf because everybody was like, this is too much work. We just want the photos ready. So I was like, <laughs> I don't even know how I'm going to get all these people to come to my website. Like, why would they do that? Um, and now we get uh, thousands of images a day. Nice. But, um, but so we basically had no money left, like zero. Like I didn't have any money for myself and I didn't have any money for my business. And I was like, um, my, we left, we finished 500 startups. I was in San Francisco. My business partner moved back to New York because her family was here. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so I was like, nothing is holding this together. And then it was like basically like the end of that that concept. So, but but that this is where the vision always keeps you alive because our goal was to make the images accessible for everybody and to bring the world's images out. Okay, so it doesn't really matter to me like what that product looks like. It's like, are you achieving your vision or are you not? Mm -hmm. So um, so that's when we we did it. Like we. We set up a website, we set up a submission page, we went and we messaged everybody on Instagram like, hey, come sell your photos to us. And then 100 people, 200 people, 300 people, 1,000 people, like, and then all these countries and people were submitting and then we moved all of our AI to that piece of the, the business. And it was really scary because it was like, everything I had worked on for like three, four years uh, basically became nothing in like a day. And this is after a whole rebuild. We had to rebuild the technology in a year Oof. before. Um, and then, so we were like, you know what? We ended up using Shopify. We put all of our photos on Shopify and then we really leaned down the business. And then it's been growing ever since. And, um, and it was really scary. And, <laughs> and when we did it, we got a customer. We got an investor, a bigger investor. We got two actually investors within a month. So I went from being like basically bankrupt to getting two investors and like my biggest check that I got from a customer. And it was like, <sighs> and that's how entrepreneurship works, guys that are out there listening. You could be, it's a, and they say it's like um, when you hit rock bottom, like the yeah. only way from there is like up. Like there's no other more down to go like the only way is up like and that sometimes it takes more down <laughs> <laughs> like i always thought my downs were before that and then i was like oh shit this is worse <laughs> so. <laughs> and you and sometimes they come like, she, like that was a true misadventure sometimes you just don't see it coming and then like you don't see it coming when it gets all crazy and goes down yeah. and you don't and then the come up is even worse not something that you see coming but it's that's yeah. meant to be a part of the journey that's like the learning experience and just 
understanding and having a set of values that allow you to be, you know, conscious and um, focused no matter when it's like the downtime or the uptime, but just saying, okay, this isn't working or that, you know, what should I do? Or this is working. What should I do to make it keep working or maintain it or grow it? And those are the key, like things that you need to think about because over again, overnight. And it's like, I, a lot of folks come in on the show and, you know, overnight failure is more likely than overnight success, right? That's, that's the thing, you know, a person came on, she told us overnight, literally a law was made and in less than 24 hours, she lost 70% of her business. Right. And overnight, you know, this, this thing that you were building, it felt like it all disappeared, but then a few days later, this it start building up back. And that's really the, the adventure and the misadventures of entrepreneurship. So now I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, your team since then and like what you guys have been working on and like kind of where Scopio is now and kind of, and where do you want to see it in the next like year, two years? Yeah. So our goal is to like democratize the world's images and make them accessible for, for many, like back in time, there was only a few businesses using images. Now everybody needs them for their personal brand, for their, to build their um, businesses and as, and I'm sure your audience is, is a lot of them. Uh, but then when you go to buy them, they're either like too expensive or like too fake. Uh, <laughs> and then and then on the other side, you have like the people all over the world are getting so good at taking images. Like you look, the seven-year-old is like mastering a camera and they just sit on our phones. But why do we have to like stare at these terrible images when everybody has these great ones? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also like they call Gen Z the generation of the side hustle. Everybody is trying to make some money. And um, if you have art, you should be able to like explore that artistic uh, path and, and, um, and make money from it. So, uh, so that our goal is to, to, to grow as big as we can and both of these, and put both of these objectives in mind. Um, we have 200,000 images on the platform now. We wow. will in the next few months, these are all commercial images. Um, in the next few months, we'll be releasing our first editorial section, mm. which I'm extremely like, when it goes up, I might cry because <laughs> it's like the, how I started the business and it's always been in my heart and I wanted a place where people can submit their powerful images. Um, so, so that will be going up and, um, and I hope to see a lot of people's um, like opinions through those images. And, uh, and we've been working on uh, AI in, in terms of search suggestions and in terms of processing images. And I'm really excited about that. I talked a little bit briefly about it, but I think it's important that uh, women are in AI and uh, that you have your own lens. Because I look at image tagging, it's completely, it's completely wrong. Like the way the training sets are built, like they, it just is not representative. So even the smallest things like tagging, which mm-hmm. you wouldn't about have been built in these like archaic times so i think scopio has a lot to offer there um uh, from our like from our perspective and uh then give the world these these images so whether you're in brazil or nigeria you can find images of people that look like you and build your business and um have fun and be creative and you can save you can save images create boards you can create these lookbooks and um we have a on our site, a $29 a month plan. So unlimited. So if you're a small business, that's like amazing. Yeah. That's a literally a gold mine. So, um, we're coming to the end of our interview. So the question I like to ask in the end is 
if the um, audience got nothing from this interview at all, right? Which I know is definitely not true. They had to have gotten a lot of different gems. But what's the one piece of information or advice that you'd like to leave the audience with so that they could take with them? It could be, you know, a thing that they should do when they go home, um, something that they should always remember in business, something that they should consider while they're growing, just whatever piece of advice you'd like to leave them with. Uh, I think number one, networking and meeting as many people. Uh, they say the impossible is just a phone call away. Uh, <laughs> one more call away. So the more people you know, the more you can help solve your problems as an entrepreneur. Um, and that takes a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And the second one is uh, self-care. Uh, for sure, you have to really believe in yourself and invest in yourself. They call it the hero's journey, entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. You're the hero. Like, Don't expect anyone else to be your hero. You are the hero. And you, number one, if you invest in yourself, you'll be successful no matter what. And that is so crazy that it's so hard to do that. <laughs> Nobody thought us that, that like the world is not built like that. The world is built in another way. So um, that means reading, that means health and wellness, that, you know, that means talking to people, um, caring for yourself. Awesome. Thank you so, so much for being here with us today, Christina. Uh, guys, definitely check out Scopio. It's going to end. Christina, the, this information will be in the show notes as well as in the comment section of the video. And follow her on social. Go get some beautiful images. Scopio is amazing. Like I went on there, I was just like taken uh-huh. aback. And thank you again so much for being here. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode of Doing the Most, The Misadventures of Entrepreneurship. Thank you. All right. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Doing the Most. Catch us here next week, same time, same place. If you can't wait, head on over to doingthemost.xyz to stay connected. Until next time, keep on doing.